Hello, hello. Welcome to my reinvented podcast, Taboo, where we talk about all the things people are afraid to talk about. If it makes you uncomfortable, I'm probably going to talk about it. Life is too short for ambiguity. So thank you for listening, and here we go. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode. Today, I am really going to be talking about challenging your comfort zone. I have spent the past year debating whether or not I should quit my job because it was a job that I was unhappy with. And so the cat's finally out of the bag. If you've been following me on social media, I finally quit my job. It took so much strength and courage to fully embrace that I was going to strip away that identity that I associated with my success in life. You know, hanging up my white coat for the last time was bittersweet. But when I thought about how many times over the past year, I really left work more drained and emotionally exhausted than I did feeling fulfilled and like I had truly made a difference. It was a no brainer for me. And I just really wanted to come on here and talk about our comfort zone because it's something that we don't talk about often enough. How many of us wake up every morning, Monday through Friday, and do the same routine? We wake up, we silence the alarm, everybody grabs their morning coffee, they rush out the door, they start their commute to work, they get to work, they go through their same emails, have weekly meetings, sit down and talk with people, they finish work, they commute home, Maybe they go to the gym or they go out to eat with friends and we just live in that same routine. And when you hear it like that, it sounds so boring. Like what are the things that actually fill you up with joy? If money didn't matter, this is one of my favorite questions to ask people. If money was not invented and it was not a societal construct, how would you spend your day? And so that's kind of where I'm at in my life right now. I remember I left my job, it was September 9th, and I was hanging up my white coat for the last time. I was saying my final goodbyes to all the people that I was working with that day. And two of the fellow providers who I was working with were like, you'll be back. And I was looking at them and I didn't know what to say because honestly, we never know what the future holds. But in my mind, I was like, I really hope they're wrong. And of course, when you tell people that you quit your job, the first thing that everybody says is, well, what's next? Well, what are you going to do now? And for the first time in my life, I'm so excited to say, I have no idea. I really don't. I could sit here and tell you about all the things that I've been planning and all the things that I'm trying to do and you know my goals and my aspirations but i really have no clue have i been applying for new jobs no have i looked for other medical jobs yes but guess what they all looked like the same job that i left for the same reasons that i left with just a different description and a different title and quite frankly i'm talking real numbers here because if you know me you know i'm an open book 
I was getting paid $65 an hour pre-tax. After you take away taxes, it was probably like 50 bucks an hour because 40% of my salary is taxed. Welcome to New York City. And yeah, it really wasn't worth it to have to rush through and see eight patients an hour and listen to all of their complaints and try to help them figure out their life problems in a 10-minute consult. And, you know, when I really sat and thought about why I was so dissatisfied with my job, the first one was the system, which I made a whole YouTube video about that. But the medical system is just not what it originally was invented for. Medicine is a business now. And if you've been to the doctor or you've been to the hospital or you've been to an urgent care, you probably know what I'm talking about. You went in because you felt wrong. You felt something was off. You had something seriously wrong with you. And sure, I'm sure they cared for you and they took care of you, but then you also got like a thousand dollar emergency room bill in the mail. And it may have been something as simple as like a head laceration where you needed five staples. So, you know, there's, that's a whole other conversation that I don't want this episode to be about. But when I really thought about why I was unhappy with my job, it's because I truly felt like I wasn't making a difference. Um, at my job, we have this thing that was called uh, NPS. It was called like a, it was basically a provider satisfaction survey, almost like when you go into a restaurant and you leave them a Yelp review, it was the equivalent of that. They would receive an email and they would leave their feedback on a scale of one to 10. And basically we would get points added or deducted or neutralized depending on what number rating they gave us. And my biggest complaint with this was that a lot of people don't understand the scope of medicine. They don't understand the scope of urgent care. They get upset when you're sending them to the hospital. They don't understand that you're sending them because you really want what's best for them. And so I'd get people who would leave me a review, like I'm a candy store or a restaurant and send me a two out of 10. And they'd be like, provider was sending me to the emergency room after I told her I didn't want to go. And it's like, yes, Karen, I was sending you to the emergency room because you fell, you're 70 years old and you're on Coumadin, a blood thinner, and you could easily have a brain bleed that I can't rule out from looking at you in an urgent care. I'm sorry that I was trying to do what's best for you. And so if you work in a customer satisfaction side of things and you're one of those poor people who calls people and asks for their opinion or you're working with the general public, you know, like I always think about Starbucks. That's the first one that comes to my mind. Like, I'm always thinking to myself, wow, I have so much respect for people who work at a coffee shop because I would not be able to stand there and take people's criticism and projections and all of the craziness that they bring in when they're literally just coming in for their morning coffee. I can't tell you how many times I've walked into a store and a poor barista or a cashier is being spoken to in a way that I would never speak to anybody just because they got the order wrong or they forgot something or it's not up to the customer's standards. And unfortunately in those businesses, they teach you the customer is always right. And I have a problem with that because if somebody comes in and they're yelling at you and they're talking to you disrespectfully, why are they right? You should have the responsibility to society to let that person know, hey, I'm just here to serve you your morning coffee there's really no reason for you to treat me this way. And that was how I spoke to patients. I remember I had a patient once who walked in, I sat him down in the exam chair, and I was like, what brings you in today, sir? How can I help you? And this guy looks at me with a perfectly straight, serious face, and he's like, do you know who I am? And I just looked at him and blinked, and I was like, no, I don't know who you are, and that's not really relevant to the kind of care that I'm providing. 
because going back to what I learned from my previous medical boss, he used to tell me there's no such thing as a VIP patient. Every patient is the VIP. And so every patient should get the same care, regardless of whether they're the president, the Pope, your grandmother. And that's how I looked at every patient. Every patient for me was, if this was my mom or dad, or if this was my grandma, what would I do? And that's how you should be treating people. You should treat them the way that you would treat your most respected, your most prized, your most loved people in your life. Not degrade people and yell at them because they have no idea what problems you had before you walked into the store. And now it's their fault and you get to treat them like crap. And so for me, that was a big reason for my unfulfillment with medicine because you're sitting there and you're in a room now absorbing all of this person's energy for 5, 10, 15 minutes, depending on the complexity and what they're there for. And at the end of the day, people aren't even grateful. You know, like you really are in medicine to do the best that you can. And I mean, I speak for myself, but I also speak for a lot of other people who work in the medical field for me, like especially nurses, huge shout out to all of the nurses and those people who were really on what I call the front lines of the COVID pandemic, because dealing with all of these complexities and these difficult patients and the bureaucracy of these systems really just highlights that these people are truly in medicine because they really want to help people. They really want to make you feel better. And when I think about that, the first thing that comes to my mind is the nurse. It's not a doctor. The nurses are the ones who are historically holding your hand, really, hey, sir, are you okay? How can we make you more comfortable? How can I adjust this medication so that you feel your best? Please ring the bell if you need anything. When I envision medicine, that's what I envision. The nursing model really is the patient-facing model where you're truly catering to each patient's individual needs and making sure that that patient feels warm and welcomed. And even though they may not be in their best physical capacity, they're feeling good about the care that they're receiving. And so, no, I don't really want to work in medicine anymore. I have no idea where I'm going from here. And it was so hard for me to leave that cushy job, that cushy paycheck coming in every two weeks. And I went on a retreat to the Amazon and I met a girl who was in a similar situation to me. Um, she was actually laid off while she was trying to figure out how to quit her job. And luckily she was offered six months of severance pay, but she was telling me the same thing. And she's like, it's so hard to leave that cushy paycheck because when you start looking around at your home and all of the things that you need to survive, you know, the cost of groceries, the cost of your electric bill, your rent or your mortgage, you start going, holy cow, how am I really going to save up the money that I need each month to do these things? And so I kind of maybe subconsciously knew that I was not going to be at this job that I was at forever. And I've saved up money, but I'm really just sitting here thinking, how can I create a life doing things that I actually enjoy doing that are going to make me enough money to live? Like, does somebody actually need $10,000 a month to be happy? I think that's so much money. Of course, it depends on the life you're living and the kind of car that you're driving. But if you think about what you actually need to survive, like the basic necessities that drive people's happiness and their security and their safety, it's really food, a roof over your head. If you live somewhere hot, you probably want air conditioning. And communing with nature, family, friends, loved ones, feeling a community. Those are really the basics of human survival. Everything else on top of that is just, 
icing on the cake, sprinkles on the cupcakes. And so we've just become a society that's gotten used to so much abundance. Do you think that social media influencers are actually in Tahiti every month? The more I research people's lives and see them on social media, the more you realize how much of the influencers that people look up to are living these false realities or not actually living them, but that's the image that they're projecting. You know, like they're posting photos of vacations that they went on one month ago and they're posting a whole separate section of it and it looks like they're on vacation again when really they're sitting at home working on whatever their next project is. And so I think that's a big part of what I want my platform to be about. I want it to be real. I want it to be raw. I want to show people not only the highlight reel, but also the low light reel. Like I was telling a friend of mine the other day, I, I took my dog with me to Florida recently and I let my dog play with my sister's giant German shepherd. And unfortunately they got into a bad dog brawl. And in the midst of us separating them, I got bit by my sister's dog. And so, yeah, I've got this huge bruise on my leg with three puncture wounds and it's been a week now and it's still healing and it's not 100%. It's kind of cutting into my gym time. It's not letting me work out the way that I want to and I'm really concerned about infection. So I'm making sure that I heal that appropriately. And so those are things that you may not see posted on social media. Those are things that people ignore talking about because they don't think people are interested but I really truly believe that people wanna see all parts of you, the good, the bad, and the ugly, because that's how they know who you really are. So all of this to say, I'm really challenging you, whoever's listening to this, you know, your friends, your family, look around and see how many people are warped and stuck in this comfort zone. All those memes that you see about like, how long are you gonna live that Monday through Friday life where you're just waiting for the weekend, they're so true. And we don't realize it because we've been society, societally conditioned not to, but there is so much more to life than just that one Monday through Friday mundane routine. We have infinite possibilities. It's only now in this past week when I finally didn't have to work that I started sitting down and realizing like, what are the things that I'm truly passionate about and how can I use these things to create a platform for myself, to educate people, to create profit. So a lot of the beautiful things that happen to us, even though at the time they may not seem beautiful, they happen to us when we're pushed outside of our comfort zone. As somebody who is an introvert, I cannot tell you how many times I have wanted to bail on a conference I signed up for or a community event I signed up for or a woman's circle. And I forced myself to go and I'm like, Kristen, you signed up for this. You really want to go deep down. You know, you're going to have a good time. Just get past this. And once you get there, it'll be fine. And then I get there and I'm so glad I went. I made so many friends. I learned so much. I built a networking community. And so when I think of pushing outside of that comfort zone, I often think about the times that I didn't want to, or I was scared to. And the universe, God, whatever you want to call it, had other plans for me. Um, if you've heard my, my first reintroduction podcast, the, the most clear example I can think of this was when I was in undergrad. I had just finished. I was working at an eye office. I was partying like Thursday through Sunday, living the typical Miami dream life, clubbing every weekend, out till the sunrise. 
And I remember Monday rolled around. It was right before Christmas. I was going to the gym and the universe really was like, no girl, you are not doing this anymore. We have so much bigger plans in store for you. Let's go. And sure enough, on my way to the gym at 5 a.m., I get T-boned. And when I say that shook my life, I don't mean that in a physical way. I mean that in every single way, like mind, body, soul. I had to really sit down and reevaluate. What am I doing with my life? Why am I hanging out with these people? What purpose are they bringing to the table? How are they helping me to become a better person? And so I've started to do that in every aspect of my life with personal relationships, with my significant other, with family members, with events that I sign up for, things that I commit to, places I want to go. And when you really start to see why you're doing things and question that motive, so much of that is robotic conditioning. Just yesterday, I got together with some girlfriends and one of them brought me back to my adolescence. She was talking about how in a previous relationship of hers, she had kind of lost sight of who she was and she had molded into this version of who her partner wanted her to be. And she went on to describe how she had just started hanging out so much with his family and she had stopped going to the gym and working out. And she pretty much let go of all the things that made her her. And she let go of all those hobbies that she enjoyed and those friends that she had connections with because she wanted so badly to be with this person and she wanted everything to be perfect with this person. And we had a whole gateway opening conversation about that because for me, one of the biggest reasons that relationships fail is because people forget who they are. It's almost, you know, my analogy for this is you become like this amorphous blob. You know, you become so-and-so's partner, especially as a woman. I look at wedding invitations and all these future invites and mail addresses. And if I get married now, my identity is no longer mine. The traditional way in society is I change my last name to my partner's last name. My children get my partner's last name. And so my last name is gone. I remember my dad telling me that when I was growing up, he was like, you know, the last name Vasquez, it dies here because I had two girls and that's it. And it's so sad that that's kind of the same thing we do metaphorically and literally besides the descriptions on paper of like, Mr. and Mrs. Lopez, you're both invited to this wedding. And it's, or even worse is the one when they just take the whole husband's name or, or the male partner's name. And they put like Mr. And Mrs. David Fernandez. And the woman's name is completely not present in that. Those things always just make me think like, wow, what about her? Like, why couldn't that say Mrs. Elizabeth Lopez and David Hernandez? It's so crazy how that's the way that society has constructed us to be. And so really just looking at the relationships that you have with people, looking at the way that you spend your time. My challenge for you this week is to think about the things that you actually want to do. So silence all the pressure from your job, from your family members, from your children's obligations, and all of the things that society tells you you have to do 
and just sit with yourself for two minutes. Close your eyes, turn off the lights, maybe when you first wake up in the morning or right before you go to bed and say, what do I really want to do? Maybe it's taking a pottery class that you've wanted to do forever and you haven't been able to do that. Maybe it's making time to go for a walk and enjoy the cooler weather. Maybe it's sitting down and getting to meditate for 10 minutes and saying to your partner, hey, can you please watch the kids so that I can have these 10 minutes for myself? Really sitting and thinking, who am I? I think it's a quote from, from the Buddha or Gandhi, one of these very spiritual gurus where they really ask people to strip away all the titles and they, they talk about death and how when you die, you lose all these things and you can't take anything with you to the grave. So if you're just taking you, your soul essence, what does that mean to you? Are you an artist? Are you a musician? What does that mean and look like for you? And what ways can you incorporate that into your everyday life? And it doesn't have to be crazy. Maybe you really love to cook and you want to make it a goal to cook your own meal once a week instead of ordering takeout every day. Maybe you love to sleep and you just want to sleep in one morning. Who would you be if there was no pressure, no judgment, no one telling you what to do? And so all that said, challenge your comfort zone. Challenge your routine. Change it up. See what happens when you really start to look outside the box that you've created for yourself. I had a conversation with my parents last week when I was home, and my mom was saying that you create a life for yourself within a five-mile radius of where you live. And my sister and I totally disagreed with that. I told her if you stay within five miles of where you live, you will never continue to grow because you already know everything that's around you. That means you're doing the same things at the same time every week. And I really want you to challenge that societal idea of normalcy. Go to the beach on a random weekday. Head to the movies on a random weeknight. Do something different that breaks up that monotonous routine and start to see how that changes your perspective on the boring work week, quote unquote or the normal things you do every weekend. Maybe instead of going out to a bar, you go out and do a workout with a friend or a loved one or a family member. So really just looking at the way that you live your life, looking at your time management and seeing, how can I change up the routine? How can I challenge what society has told me is the normal life that I should be living? And if you're in a similar situation to me where you've quit your job and you're not quite next sure what your next steps look like, play around with the infinite possibilities. If you think about what are the ways, what are the talents, what are the gifts that I have, what are the passions that I'm actively pursuing that can create a sustainable life for me, you'll be shocked at the amount of activities and ways that you can think of to make money, especially in this day and era when you have things like Airbnb experiences, Uber Eats, literally the world is at your fingertips. So I hope this helped you delve a little deeper, 
look at your thought patterns, look at your societal programming, and really question the motive behind why you're doing something. Is it because you actually want to do it? Or is it because society or your family or your loved one told you that you should be doing it? If you're still listening, thank you so much. I so appreciate all of you guys' support. I love all the DMs I received and the encouragement from everybody. I had people that I hadn't spoken to in like 10 years reach out to me and say, wow, this is so cool. I'm so proud of you. Or wow, thank you for being honest and sharing this and something that's so real and resonates with so many people. And that was so beautiful for me to see because like I said, it took a lot of courage for me to finally pull the trigger on that email and be like, hey, thank you so much for the opportunity to work here. I've learned so much, but my time here has come to an end. And so I also just wanted to take a moment here to put this out here for any listeners. If you have any friends or family that you think would benefit from this, I've kind of switched my role from a traditional Western medicine practice to holistic wellness because I truly believe in fusing mind, body, and soul healing to truly heal the root of problems. So in other words, if you have a family member who's diabetic, I'm not just looking at okay, you're diabetic, let's put you on these medications. It's also looking at, okay, how did this happen? Why are your eating habits this way? How can we reframe the way that you're eating? How can we reframe your relationship with food? How can we help you develop a better lifestyle, get you to exercise, get you to monitor your food consumption, get you to change up your activities? And that's how we totally heal somebody. So if this is something that interests you, if you have something that you want to work on, if you're looking at potential problems, PCOS, eating disorder, self-image, self-love, or just overall improving your health and wellness, I am available. Feel free to send me a DM on Instagram at Chris Alec. I'm launching a website later this week. More info on that will be posted soon. And I hope you all have a wonderful day or night wherever you may be. Take care.